Hello, welcome to the Arseholics podcast. I hope I sound great with my new mic, um, but uh, if I don't, hopefully my two friends here will compensate for me. I've got Mize, I've got Aaron, and hello, boys. All right. Hello. How's it going? Good. Happy. Happy. <laughs> Excellent. Um, we are. Uh, we're recording. It's thursday it's i'm still do you know what i'm still in that christmas zone of losing track <laughs> of what day it is which is not good for for, for work for, for yeah, sure especially with playing on a thursday it's just yeah. weird like we don't do that we haven't done that all season right exactly i mean we're not we're not good enough to be a regular thursday side <laughs> anymore do you know what i mean but um uh we're recording on the thursday night we've just played liverpool away from home in the carabao cup first leg uh first leg of the semi it's finished nil nil so Arsenal have got a nil-nil draw um, at Anfield. Um, boys, uh, you know, that was a really, really tense, tense game. Um, I feel like given there are no goals, there was just this huge pivotal moment, obviously, in the game with the red card. Um, and before we get into that, if we just, you know, maybe talk about the team, uh, the, the lineup a little bit that we went with today. Um, it was essentially... It was essentially as strong a team as Mikel Arteta could put out, regardless of what competition it was, right? So, you know, he's had he had Ramsdale in goal. Um, he had Kieran Tierney, Ben White, Gabriel, and um Cedric starting. He had Laconga and Granit Xhaka. He had Oda no, not Odegaard, he had Saka and Martinelli wide with Lacazette playing in a number ten and Eddie playing uh, up top guys what did you what did you think about that when, when with regards to the lineup any surprises um I wouldn't say any surprises like you said it was the strongest team he could put out um and it's the team that sort of made sense based on all the unavailable players that we've got at the moment I think before the game we were talking I, did, I was wondering would he maybe look at you know the fact that it's Liverpool way potentially go three at the back which obviously ended up doing uh, midway through the game anyway um and Obviously, Patino started the other day, so um, he didn't. And obviously, he didn't have a have a great game. Um, but I was wondering, you know, if Shaka wasn't fit, maybe what what were his options if if Shaka wasn't fit, but or, or back from COVID or ready to play? But obviously, he was, so didn't have to necessarily consider Patino for this game. Um, so yeah, I think overall, um, it's probably like you said, as best of a team as he he could have put out. Yeah, I mean, Aaron, and with the bench, uh, did you think when, when you saw the bench? I think there was, you know, there was a few young players there. Um, did you think it was going to be an issue for us, not necessarily having anything to call upon? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I was really worried coming into that game because I without I without Smith Rowe and without Erdegaard. I mean, you remember the days where we were playing without a proper number ten. Uh, and it was horrific and you know we'll talk about this but maybe the way the game panned out was probably our best chance of success and um yeah i think i, I was worried and that was a very much you know, we basically got together the only 11 players that we had fit <laughs> except for uh tavares and um chambers who you know fun enough all ended up coming on and somehow yeah we managed to get a result which is at the end of the day, like the most important thing. Yeah. And the, the game itself, it was our best team that we, you know, could put out like, like you said, um, Liverpool didn't have Salah. They didn't have Mane, but, uh, 
you know, it was a remarkably still strong looking side. Um, and I think it was a bit of a kick in the gut to Arsenal fans everywhere, you know, and Twitter was rife with it. You know, it was still, it was a super strong, it was a super strong lineup from a team who allegedly couldn't feel, feel the team a week ago. And I know there's more detail. There's loads of ins and outs. I don't want us to get into all about the whole false, false positive saga, but, um, but it was a bit, it left a bit of a sour taste at the beginning of the game, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think that the frustrating thing was not the fact that Liverpool were, you know, being a bit suspicious with the testing. It was more just how our week had panned out in the seven days since where we obviously lost to Forest, and then have had players dropping like flies. Like, you know, I think, again, if you look at the team that played City, you know, Tommy Asu hasn't played since because he played against City right and then um we've obviously lost Erdegaard since Smith Rowe still wasn't fit and we've lost our AFCON players as well so the team is considerably weakened I know Partey and the AFCON players wouldn't have played played last week but it just felt that you know we were in a much worse place going into that game Mm. and that one week significantly benefited Liverpool and if anything it probably hurt us yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and and you know what the the way the game started today, uh, it, it was probably how we've come we've we've become quite used to games at Anfield. You know, Liverpool started I think exactly how they would have wanted to start, um, and 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 they continued to play this way, really like for the for the kind of opening ten to twenty minutes. My, did you what were your thoughts when you were watching that that kind of the first period play out? Were you worried it was going to be a um, a similar result to when we went away to Anfield at the uh, earlier this season? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was kind of like the City game when we went into the City game, and you know, you 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 you're basically just hoping you don't concede in the first kind of ten, five, ten, fifteen minutes, um, and you keep it nil nil as long as possible. Um, and obviously, once when you see the lineups and you see how strong Liverpool have gone. Um, even without Salah and Mane, um, still a very, very strong team. And yeah, I was kind of fearing the worst and the games, like you said, started in that way. It felt like we were struggling to get hold of the ball. Um, we weren't, when we had the ball, we weren't really doing anything with it in terms of um, losing it very quickly. Possession was, keeping hold of possession was, wasn't really there. Um, and yeah, I kind of was fearing the wor- worst and I was quite surprised and pleasantly surprised that we got through the first 20 25 minutes up to the up to the sending off what i can't remember when it was around that was it about half an hour in it was about 26 minutes I think. yeah so i was quite surprised and um but even so even up to uh, up to jacket getting sent off i still was fearing the worst like the whole time um i was trying i mean i can't really think of too many uh openings that we had apart from the one that kind of led to their goal um uh, sorry not led to the goal led to the red card um but yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, it would have been interesting to see how the game would have panned out if we had have kept 11 men on the pitch. But yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I've noticed this with Arsenal sometimes. When when we play games like this, against good teams, and we ride out a little bit of a storm, and then suddenly we we, we get back into it somehow. Like, you know, we, we, we may create a chance, we may go forward, and it's actually then when we become our most vulnerable, weirdly. Um, and it, it kind of felt like that a little bit to me today where... Um, you know, that first period, I felt like, you know, we were suffering. We were conceding a lot of possession. Liverpool were playing 100 miles an hour, really trying to, you know, get balls across into the box. Um, you know, it, it was very very shaky. And then, and then, like you say, uh, Myers, I think that was one of the first couple of times that we had sort of got forward properly. Um, and we get forward. It was quite nice. It, was, it, it, it potentially looked like it could be quite a good opportunity. 
And then Aaron, and talk us through because 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 effectively, very very quickly goes right from a a position of of real kind of um, uh, of real potential for Arsenal to a red card for Granit Xhaka. Just talk us through that like that that period. I mean, did you did did it did it surprise you in how that, how it ended up? I I. So I was watching the game, obviously, in, on TV, and we I saw the Saka chance, and my immediate reaction was why I thought Saka made the wrong decision uh, whenever he was in the box. I think he probably should have tried to take on... Was it Van Dijk that he was up against, maybe? Um, Can't remember. And I was a bit annoyed about that. And then there was a bit of, like, you know, play on the outside of the box. But then I remember very clearly Xhaka getting beaten to the ball in midfield. And at that point... I knew that I was like, okay, we're in trouble here because uh, they, you know, they played, I think, a one-two or they played the pass very quickly just around Jacker, and then Jacker was tracking back. But then they played the long ball and I, I thought it was, you know, I didn't, I didn't think it was as clear cut as they made out. It's not like um, Jota was, you know, clean through one-on-one on goal and, you know, we were just waiting for him to shoot. He didn't, the, the long ball came through and I thought, okay, well, okay, this is a bit dodgy here, but, we, you know, we're still in this, in that chance and that pattern of play. And then all of a sudden, Jacker just has this brainless moment and, and you know, he takes him out. And then I was like, okay, well, that was a bit silly. But my initial thinking was, okay, like, yellow card. But then the referee, obviously, was uh, just so quick and so decisive in just being like, well, no, red card, you're off. And at that point, you know, I, I was fuming at the time. I'm sure you guys were. It seemed like most of social media were was, um, and yeah, I just you can't really excuse it. In my opinion, it was you can't. If that was given against us, you'd say like if that was given and that was one of our players in on goal, that was Saka in on goal, and someone takes him out, you'd say like you want a red card there. And I think the the fact that it's at Anfield, the fact that it's Granite Xhaka, all these marginal things just go against you in that situation, and. It's it's very very hard to argue against the fact that it was a red card, in my opinion. Oh, Mike, do you think there's a bit of a, a Xhaka tax at all? Um, I mean, maybe is it you know the pace at which the card was issued would certainly indicate the referee didn't 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 take even half a second, you know, to contemplate whether it, it, it could be a red card or not. Do you think that has anything to do with who the player is? Um. I don't think so, to be honest. I think, to be honest, I, th- I think it's a pretty clear cut decision because he, like we, uh, yeah, again, we were sort of talking about it through the game, um, but the ball hasn't reached Jota yet, but it depends on what you define as a goal scoring chance. And like, you probably have to assume, not necessarily that he controls the ball perfectly, but the, if Xhaka's not there, then he's through on goal in the sense mm. that the ball, you know, with, with the position that he's in and where the ball's going to land. So I don't necessarily think there is like, yeah, I don't think is, I don't think it was an unfair decision. Yeah, go on. I do think there is, there is an element of this, as you said, Raj, the Xhaka tax in that, you know, I reckon if that was Jordan Henderson on Bukayo Saka, I'm not convinced the referee gives a red card there. Yeah, that's a fair point. I didn't think um, that. And... I, but, you know, I've, and that's where I have a little bit of sympathy for Jacko and that maybe he, you know, it wasn't such a, it wasn't as clear cut as the referee made it out to be in that sense, when you look at the replays. Um, but if you are Granite Jacko, like, I think the way he makes the tackle, like if he, 
you know, just catches him and trips him up, for example. Um, well, I don't know what the rules are. That's a denial of goal scoring opportunity. But um, the way they, because he went in like at chest height to the player, it was a very obvious foul. Um, and at that point, the only decision the referee has to make is, is this player through on goal and would he have scored? And it's hard to argue against that. But the fact is, I think the fact that it is Granite Xhaka, rightly or wrongly, makes the referee's mind a bit easier. I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced referees have, so, you know, I think referees have come out and said this before. That they they have, say that, yeah. okay, we know that if it's Xhaka, he's likely to do something silly and you have to referee accordingly. So I think players, referees have loads of unconscious biases in every game. Um, and like, I think Xhaka sometimes just makes it easy for him and, the you know i think we as a club also need to realize that and if we don't realize that like we we constantly have this guy that you know a does stupid things and then b when he does do stupid things probably doesn't get given the benefit of the doubt um and yeah we we accepted that we had a chance to replace him in the summer um we decided that his pros outweigh his cons and maybe you could argue that, that he adds a lot. And I, I don't deny that he does add a lot. I think he's, on his day, a very good player and a very important player to this team. But you have to accept that he will make mistakes. This is not a surprise. Um, and it's it's very disappointing. But, you know, funnily enough, I think he'll do his He's got a two-game suspension, we think. He'll do that, and then he'll probably be back in the starting 11 in, in two games' time, three games' time. What do you make of, um, you know, when they looked at the analysis of the incident at halftime, it's interesting because obviously, you know, for the, from the position we were at on the pitch, our centre-backs have, have gone up at this point. And our centre-backs are trying to retain possession in in the kind of final third there. So they're not, our centre-backs aren't retreating back initially to try and get back into our box. They're trying to win the ball up high. And, you know, the pundits have made, uh, you know, the, the observation that, these are the sort of things that centre-backs at big clubs are being told to do. They're, they're being told to win the ball high up and and, and re, sorry, regain that possession high up as opposed to retreat back into their penalty area. But ultimately, because of that, because Gabriel um, is, is still trying to win the ball up kind of high at that point, Gabriel isn't able to kind of get back. And it's Granit Xhaka who is running back to try and, um, you know, to, to, to try and catch the player. Do you have any sympathies for Granit Xhaka in that situation in that, well, he's not a fast player. He's, you know, he's not, he's never been a, a quick player or whatever. And ultimately he's just trying to win a sprint against a very quick player over quite a long kind of, you know, quite, quite a large area of space. And ultimately then the ball, he knows where the player is because they, they see him, you know, having a look at the player a couple of times during this run. But ultimately when the ball comes over the top, he's probably thinking, if I leave this, then the player is probably going to get it and it's probably going to be a goal. If I stretch my leg out, I may genuinely make an attempt to play this ball and I may get it. Basically, what I'm trying to say is, can you feel sorry for Granit Xhaka for a couple of reasons in this scenario? I th- I think you, it's hard, isn't it? I think if this was Xhaka's first trans- transgression, if that's the right word, then I think, I think you'd get a fair bit of sympathy because like you said, Raj, he tracks Jota from well inside Liverpool's half when, as you say, the centre-backs have pushed up, Gabriel's pushed up, Tierney's pushed up, um, and he's doing his job in that sense. You know, he hasn't just let Jota go. He's tracked him 60-odd yards, 60, 70 yards, um, and kind of done his best um, to, to, to follow him. I think 
probably no credit. There's been very little credit given to the ball from Robertson. Is it Robertson? I think he plays yeah, the ball. Yeah. Um, I think very little credit has been given to that ball. It's actually a really, really good ball because, um, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic ball where it's a really difficult one for Xhaka to go to. It's over his head. He can't head it, obviously, hence why he has to try and stretch um, uh, kind of on the turn with his leg to, to try and win it. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's hard to have sympathy sympathy for, for Xhaka. And I, 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 I was thinking, you know, if, if it had been, say, Kieran Tierney, tracking back in that position and he makes that challenge and makes that foul and gets sent off what the reaction would be compared to what it was for Xhaka and I think like I checked my timeline when that happens uh, my Twitter timeline and it was it was you know the typical expected abuse towards Xhaka and you know criticism of, of, of him making another mistake but there were there were a few people um kind of in support saying he's a bit unlucky um, and it's a challenge that he has to make. Like you said, Raj, he has to try and go for it. I don't think, do you think he has to make that challenge? I, d- I don't think he does have to, but I can understand why he does. Because it's one of those where you, it's coming over your head and you're watching it, you're watching it, you're watching it. And you, it's, it, he's, he probably thinks he, he can get a touch onto it. He probably yeah. thinks it, but the, the execution of it is a bit ridiculous to be honest, because he's basically like, just, yeah, like he knows where Jota is and to, to kind of, and I think he probably knows that if you're if you're Jota in that position, you're gonna like if you see Xhaka kind of lining up to clear it with your leg, you're probably just gonna try and get your body there because then you know you're gonna yeah. get kicked and you're gonna get yeah. sent off or potentially get a penalty. So if you're, if you're in the box, so I kind of I do have a bit of sympathy for him, but at the same time, it's a, it is a you know it is a it, none at all. No, I mean the only bit I do have sympathy in is I think Ramsdale sells him out of it. And they, yeah. they analyze this on Sky. Does he have a chance um, to come out to get it? I think Ramsdale, yeah. Ramsdale has a chance to come out. Well, he, he sort of comes and then retreats. But in my opinion, I think Ramsdale's starting position there was probably a bit too deep. Mm. Where if he was you know, a few yards higher up, he probably just comes and gets it. And then, um, as they pointed out on Sky, like I don't think Jota goes in for that challenge against Ramsdale. Um, but I think the fact that Ramsdale sort of comes and then freaks out and panic goes back. I think Granit Xhaka sees that and just just panics himself. And is like, I have to do something here. Mm. Otherwise, um, either, you know, Ramsdale's not set, like no one's comfortable. And if I don't try and do this, then uh, he's going to score. Um, but I think the real, you look at the replay, I think if he doesn't make that challenge, yeah, Jota probably, you know, being the good player that he is, gets it under control. But there's no guarantee that he... Yeah, his touch is good enough to actually take that down and then doesn't give Jack of the time to recover. I think the, you know, a smarter player there, one who's more composed, just says, All right, fine, I'm not gonna take the risk. We're away at Anfield as a semi-final. Um you know, my reputation is if I if I make this tackle, I'm gonna get sent off. And maybe, I'm just gonna let him take this touch and see and test his touch. And maybe the conclusion actually is what Myers was saying before in that. Uh, the, the, a lot of credit has got to do with the ball that went in that has caused all this kind of chaos. It was, you know, but, it was a... because even with Ramsdale, it was the the way that the ball was, the angle of the ball, etc. Ramsdale could be thinking, look, if I miss this and if I clatter into the player, I'm getting sent off. Yeah. Or if yeah. I if I miss this and like you know he could just be completely through and it's a goal and he's probably thinking actually I've got a bet I might as well just stay back maybe then at least I can save it if he gets it and it's a shot. You know, he's probably thinking of that. And 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 Jacko himself is kind of thinking, well, I need to touch it. Jesus, you know, it could go straight into his path. So anyway, it is what it is. Um, you know, we, we get the sending off. It's I think at that point, right, given the way the match had already been panning out, um, 
you know, I certainly didn't give us a hope in hell, um, you know, going down to 10 men after 26 minutes. Uh, you know, you're away at Anfield. There aren't many stadiums in the world that are harder to go away to. Um, and to do that with 10 men, um, you know, for such a big portion of the game, I, I'm personally, I thought the boys, particularly after the Forest game, particularly after the kind of just maybe the, the, the disappointment of how the City game panned out as well after showing a certain amount of resilience, I really wondered whether they would sort of just look at each other and go, oh, do you know what? it's just this is just rubbish like yeah. i can't be bothered but it really didn't pan out that way did it at all i mean it was almost instantly it felt like uh well to me anyway it looked like um there was no sec there was no second that we felt sorry for ourselves we actually were doing better with the ball itself as well as as as, as off the ball I I thought, mean, yeah what would you, what yeah, do you think? I think one thing that i noticed which actually with hindsight was actually quite probably quite pivotal was the minute Jacker got sent off, Arteta made the sub, I think, within about a minute of that. Like, when it was all chaos, we were like, oh, Xhaka's an idiot. What are we doing? It's the end of the game. Like, we've lost this tie. Everything's rubbish. He very quickly took off Eddie and brought on Holding, Holding I think. Yeah. Um, and I think at that point, the message was very clear here, is that we're going to try and play for a nil-nil here. Um, like, this is going to be hell. We're going to have to sit back, but forget about even trying to score just defend for the next 60 60 odd minutes um and fair play to arteta because he could have tried something else he might he could have tried to i don't know i mean to be fair i don't i think maybe the fact that we had no other players <laughs> might have also forced his hand but he could have tried something else he could have maybe brought on Lukonga or tried to keep the shape up front or something like that or even taken off lacazette but he was like, okay, I'm going to pick the 10 best players who can try and grind out a nil-nil here. And we're not, under any illusion, even going to try and win this game. We're just going to run, preserve the you know clean sheet. And if we can get something on the break, something through a scrap or two, we'll try. But that's not going to be our sole focus. I think that helped focus our, our game plan. Yeah, I think just to add to that as well, like I, like you said, Aaron, in that substitution, I think I think it's actually a really underrated substitution from Arteta like he's had quite a bit of criticism well a little bit of criticism in the past like not making subs soon enough not changing things up um as quickly as we'd like obviously we saw the, saw the Tavares substitution as, as early as we did the other day and then this one although it was forced it was actually in my view really really smart because when anytime you play against 10 men especially when you're at home and you know you kind of need to take the game to the to the team that are one down one man down the thing that those teams do with the one man advantages they'll they'll try and stretch the defense so yeah. they'll try and stretch the defense and when you've got players like Trent and Robertson that can just literally kind of sit on either touchline you know flank to flank um it 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 was it was actually a very like I said a very smart substitution because Rob Holding just came in they played a back five basically and it meant that we just you know our our back five was 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 uh, spread right across the width of the pitch yeah. Um, and it just made it, yeah, like I said, I'm very, very impressed with 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 making that move so quickly. And um, yeah, ni nice to see because obviously it, it it led to a pretty impressive defensive performance for the rest of the game. Do you, if you if we were at home in the first leg as scheduled, and Granite Jacker got sent off in the 30th minute whilst it was still nil nil, do you think he still employ the employs those tactics? I don't know. Do you think he still makes that sub? No. Uh, Nil-nil first. Uh, just the only difference but, of the yeah, game. Yeah, nil-nil. We're at home. 
I, first leg. I don't think you can. I don't think you can. Like, I think if you're at home, the onus is on you to 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 still try and score a goal because you've got to go away in the second leg or a goal or a couple of goals. Um, and even if it's Liverpool, like you can't give them that much respect where you're basically succumbing to them for 60 minutes at home. Like, I think that's very different to playing away at Anfield. But it's interesting though, isn't it? Because although the substitution was made and it's a defensive one and like you say, we go to a back five, it, it felt like for whatever reason, we ended up being able to keep the ball better than we were when we had when we had 11 men. Now, Jack is a really important player for us when it comes to the retention of the ball. Like that's one of the things that he does well. He does well at controlling tempo and spreading. So, you know, we're losing that. Why do you think it was that, um, you know, actually we were doing a better job of keeping the ball and actually getting in some fairly dangerous kind of situations? Because it wasn't also that Liverpool were going gung-ho, you know, during the kind of early periods of that 10-man period. I mean, what do you guys think? I well, so I was going to say I didn't actually think we did keep the ball that well, to be honest. Even after after <laughs> after the... for a relative sense, so I thought, yeah, I thought we okay. did better. We did, yeah, I, yeah, okay, we did better. I mean, yeah, I don't think we. I think every time I saw us with the ball, we we were either trying to dribble it out of defence on the edge of our own box, we weren't really playing that smart in terms of you know trying to basically time waste by winning as many kind of tactical fouls as, as much as you can. Um, so I, and and I just felt like we were you know we were as you probably expect just knocking the ball long um and the yeah and lack of, the lack of midfield really showed so I didn't really think we kept the ball that well I don't know actually yeah, I mean I'm not really sure what the re, what, what what how comes we ended up play, basically playing playing better than we did with uh, with 11 I think the team certainly stepped up in terms of maybe like I said it was that fact that the the plan was very clear or they were but they actually showed some fight in the sense that it could have been very easy, like you said, Raj, that, you know, we could have just kind of given up. And we've probably seen that at times where the the heads drop, the inexperience shows. Um, but I thought, you know, that the front three, especially like Lacazette, Martinelli and Saka worked their backsides off. Um, and, you know, they had nothing to feed on in terms of any kind of service to create chances. So everything they did, they created themselves between themselves. They hustled, they hurried Liverpool. They tried to press when they could, when an opportunity was available. And, you know, they worked really, really hard and they compensated for that lack of, uh, or the lack of Granite Xhaka in the midfield. Yeah. Uh, so let, I mean, let's, there's, there's no, po- I mean, you know, because given it's a nil nil game, there's not a huge amount for us to dissect, but like, I guess that's rebel a bit in this kind of, in that mentality and that defensive kind of, resilience that the whole team sort of showed for that whole period um i mean it was remarkable i thought because it was from the if it was from the front i thought lacazette set, set an incredible tone um you mm. know uh, i thought he did so much work um and to think that you can be play so much of the game with 10 men but how many I mean Liverpool I mean I, I think I tweeted that Liverpool had no shots on target I think Sky reported they had one shot on target whether it's one shot on target or zero, one shot on target all game all game really I, I can't didn't remember think what they that had one, one. Yeah. I can't remember what that was one was it the Minamino was. one that we... it might have been the one where perhaps Ramsdale might have got a touch on that shot that was ah. going one of the crosses or something like that I think I know which one you're talking about but I'm pretty sure that was going wide anyway that was going wide they didn't touch what the one Minamino cross 
Yeah, well, Ramsdale might have just parried it a bit wide. I don't know. No, oh, yeah, I can't but really think. I guess anyway, like we got, it doesn't have to be Liverpool. It could be Norwich. If you go away to Norwich, and you know you spend the majority of the game with ten men, you know, you if you come away and you think you know you've barely conceded a shot on target, you think that's pretty impressive. I mean, I mean, was this a, was it a combination of Liverpool being bad, or, or do we just have to say that the team did such a great job of just managing? managing what whatever was thrown at them to the point that the goalkeeper Bailey I mean yeah he had to make some he had to make a fair few punches and he had to you know do some stuff in the air but other than that it was untroubled I mean what do you think the secret to the success was I think um the one thing is actually we've got you know in defenders like Chambers and Holding they're probably not the best at you know playing out from the back or they're not playing like in terms of you know, helping us build possession or, you know, keeping the concentration for when you have to do, when you're dominating the game and you have one striker to deal with who, um, you know, might keep you busy. But what they're probably, you know, sounds a bit harsh on them, but they're probably good, like, when you use the word for, like, Burnley-like defenders. <laughs> yeah. in the, they're good low-block defenders. Yeah, they're good low, exactly. That's, that's much more, um, <laughs> a better way of putting it, in the sense that if you just give them, like, crosses, tackles, and, you know, these last-ditch tackles to make, They'll probably make them like holding, especially. I think, like I think, if holding goes to a Burnley or a Newcastle, he'll probably do quite well in that sense. Where he he's a type of player who, who's, in terms of defensive output, is probably quite good. Where he struggles is the rest of the kind of modern defending that a top team has to do. But um, in that sense, and and also Ben White, who you know, he's kind kind of again probably being quite harsh on him, but has come from that that level where he's, you know, he's done that for Brighton. He's done that for Leeds to a certain extent. So, you know, that situation probably isn't alien to him. And then, and then Gabriel, I thought was also very good, but I thought Ben White was just really good in that sense where he kind of just, everything that came in, he dealt with, he made the tackles that he needed to make. He made the blocks that need to be made. And um, yeah, he's the type of defender you want when you're under the cosh. Yeah, absolutely. Might I mean anything to add to that? Did you? I mean, did, how did you think that the midfielders? You know, like because Arteta mentioned it in his interview, you've got Saka and Martinelli, for example, who had to play in slightly more sort of central midfield areas um, d- during the game. What did you think about their efforts? Yeah, I mean, like when you go down to ten men and for such a long period of the game or such a long part of the game remaining, um, it, 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 everyone has to put in a shift and. I mean, I guess the good thing is like Saka and Martinelli, Lukonga, they're all very, very, you know, young players, young legs, loads of energy. Um, you saw Martinelli at the final whistle, like he was absolutely shattered and I can imagine they they, they all are. So absolutely, like they all put in a shift. Um, and I think, you know, this this team has in general this season compared to probably the last couple of years, probably the last four or five years, um, we can see the improvement defensively like not just by the stats but just generally we can see better defensive performances and this is like another another um kind of step in that in that journey um like yeah like Aaron and said every single defender um defended for their lives you know blocks I thought we were really good aerially as well um we were winning lots and lots of headers against uh, you know, Liverpool had a fair number of corners and, and crosses coming in. And, you know, when you've got Van Dijk and Fabinho and Matip, like massive players who are generally really good in the air, um, we 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 seem to dominate and boss. Um, and then you had Ramsdale, who I thought was a bit shaky today, 
just like he didn't seem to have that um he didn't seem to offer that what's the word Solid- solidity um yeah, that you want from your assurance thing, yeah. yeah um but uh, but at the same time like i think he was pretty like he apart from apart from the red card he came when um he w- when he needed to or when he felt like he needed to and even though he maybe flapped at a couple um overall he was he was good just a little bit shaky today but yeah like i mean look in terms of Saka and Marcelo as you asked Raj like i think all of them like Lacazette they 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 all put in a, a massive shift and i think it was like as the minutes tick by in a game like today as you know you get to 35 minutes you get to 40 minutes you get to half time and as every five or ten minutes go by and you're still haven't conceded a goal like the belief starts Mm -hmm. to grow and then you know every clearance every challenge every block it's like a high five or you know a fist pump or whatever and everyone starts getting everyone else going and I think that's what we're seeing with this team like there's a genuine kind of belief in each other and trust in each other um which is which is really really nice to see because like I said we we probably haven't seen it too much in recent years and how big do you think the result is then, guys? So let's, you know, it's it's nil-nil. It's nil, it, it, just in the, first, firstly in the context of the tie, but then I think, you know, we should probably look to what it means for the North London derby coming up as well in a number of ways. But for the tie, do you think, do you think that it gives us exponential belief going into the home leg? Mm, I don't know. I think... I think more for this fan base, Arsenal fans, we're so used to being out of two-leg ties after the first leg. Um, that Actually, I think just for us going into a second leg where we've got a chance, especially it being at home, is going to be good. Uh, I think the, the belief will come if we have our, depending on what kind of players and what team we have in a week's time. Um, personally, I think if we play the same team again, like the same 11, well, I know Jacker won't be there, but you throw, I don't know who else can come in, but you throw Patino in there or you throw another midfielder in there. Um, it's still going to be a tough ask, I think, uh, personally. But the place will be buzzing. If we can just get a few more players back, I think that will then really increase the belief. But I think the the feeling I have now is just the fact that we can at least go in there with a decent chance and we're not... you know, I. You know, when it got to about 80 minutes, I was like, actually, even if we lose this 1-0, I'd take that. Um, just the fact that go well, the objective today, even before the red card, was come away from this game with something to play for on the second leg. Um, I still think it's going to be a huge... It'll be a huge win if we can beat them next week. But at least we're still in the game. Yeah, agreed. Mize, do you... So... That, that's the context of the tie you know we, we, we like like Aaron said it's I mean it's there to play for um we've given ourselves a good chance but we have got a massive 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 game coming up on Sunday um how much do you think that the the outcome of this game today and kind of the way in which it was manifested the spirit the um the resilience to come away with that nil how much do you think that that will um Perhaps compensate for the for the lack of days rest that we get versus the, what the Tottenham team get leading up to Sunday. Um, I think I think the fatigue is going to be quite a big problem for us. Fatigue and lack of options. So as much as you know, like I said, this this result and that defensive performance for sixty minutes or for the whole game really um, would have. Uh, help to build the confidence again in a in a really young team. Um, I am a little bit more worried about Sunday than I was 
a couple of days ago when I expected Jacker to be available and I didn't realise Erdegaard wouldn't be fit and Tommy Asu would still be unfit, you know, some key players for us and Smith Rowe as well. So um yeah, I think I think I think it, I think again, look, this is a young team, right? So every result like this, every really good performance, um, every team performance um is massive. But um I'm not sure when it comes to North London Derby, especially away, um, how much of a how much of a how much difference it's going to make um because i'm yeah like i said i'm a little bit worried just because we look really 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 light in on numbers now um basically no central midfielders apart from lukonga um unless they unless we sign someone by midday tomorrow um so so yeah uh i am slightly concerned do you do you think there's a chance we try and get the game called off what do you think, Raj? I, um, to, f- firstly, I think that anyone who tries to get a game called off now because of the whole Liverpool situation will be under like immense amounts of scrutiny. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, Liverpool have not only got away with what they mm-hmm. did, I think they've kind of screwed it up for, for anyone else who's going to uh, have a go. Like they, they, they obviously is some kind of flaw in the system that they need to figure out. But, um, but the rules are, are clear enough now that they say, is it 13 players plus a goalkeeper or something like that? Or, yeah. Yeah. Including a goalkeeper. And if, if we don't have the players, do you, surely do you, do they have. Yeah. Do you think that they're going to, I mean, obviously they're going to assess tomorrow, I guess, but considering that um, like those three players I mentioned, Tommy Asset, ESR and Erdegaard, like probably going to be 50-50s. I, I don't know. I'm just kind of speculating. Yeah. And no Xhaka now as well. No Cedric. Do you think that... Arteta is going to try and get the court game called off. Like, do you think he's going to? I no, I think the opposite. I think you know Arteta's always gone on about like not hiding behind injuries or not hiding behind COVID. And he's always said like I don't want to use that as an excuse. But I, put it this way: if we, I mean, we don't put it so like we don't have a central midfield at the moment. There's no way Jack is not playing. Partey's not here. Elneny's not there. It's just Lukonga, right? Um, if Smith Rowe's out, if Odegaard's out, and like Odegaard has COVID, so it's a legitimate thing. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if we. I think it's if everyone else is doing it. I, I almost feel like we should. I mean, Spurs probably wouldn't be too upset about it because they can probably play it when Son is back because Son's out of Sunday as well, right? So I can see. But Spurs have got two. Games, be... They're two games behind everyone else. Two, three yeah. games behind certain teams. Yeah, but I, uh, exactly. I think Spurs will see it as an opportunity, even though they don't have they don't have Son. Because although they're not in the best form, I still think we're probably suffering a lot more. Um, but you know, let's let's see. I, I'm yeah, personally, I would be I'd be very happy if it did get called off. Yeah, um, and I, I I sort of get the feeling that. No, I don't. I'm not sure what I've got to base this on, but I I have a feeling that at least one of Odegaard and Smith Rowe will be back. And yeah. um, I think you know they've kind of been a maybe maybe I've just missed it, but it feels like they've been pretty quiet on on kind of you know the nature of some of these niggles that some of these guys have. Got. It sounds like correct if I'm wrong. It sounds like Odegaard has COVID, right? That's not it, Od- Odegaard definitely Odegaard has COVID, COVID. Yeah, but with yeah. The, with the other kind of players with with the likes of Smith Rowe and Tommy Asi, it's all it's a bit like kind of smoking mirrors, right? It's a bit kind of. Did they say on Sky that Smith Rowe was like fifty fifty for this game? He could have possibly played, but we. 
Yeah, it's, again, I don't, I don't know, yeah. and, I, and I wouldn't be surprised if um, you know if if those guys are if any of those guys are sort of 80 percent. I think you know they'll they'll play because what else are we going to do? Um, yeah, but it might be a case where we try and push a deal through for a player, and it, you know there are talks about Arthur Mello um, uh, coming in on loan, and, and and there's 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 talks about us um, really trying to push that through tonight. As my, you said, if we register a player by twelve midday tomorrow, then you know it's possible. I mean, surely, like if we if we haven't got the majority of the deal done by now, then there's no chance that he can sign for us by midday. Surely, or register. In fact, can't see it. But don't know. I mean, you never know, yeah. right? Like, um, I mean, they've cancelled Aziz's loan, right? That's conf- is that yeah. confirmed? Um, yeah. So it's obviously they're kind of taking emergency steps. So. Like you said, but apparently, so th- I mean, I think the Aziz thing was more out of frustration with his loan not being, oh, wow. not going well. But I heard that that was, oh, yeah. I thought that was a thing for a while anyway. Yeah. So that's been going on for a while. So I think, yeah, it's probably a combination of like, okay, well, this guy's not playing or not going well. And we desperately need numbers in midfield. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> just the timing of it. I can't remember who it was that tweeted it, but it was just after Jack had been sent off the tweet the, the story broke from i can't remember who tweeted it but yeah that was quite funny but yeah it, i had definitely heard rumors that arsenal were considering recalling him for a while so do you, you know, uh, go on i was just gonna ask a quick question on um mellow um i know nothing about this guy do, do you know do you know anything about him is he is he good is he have you seen him play uh i've not really to be honest i think i, I think i watched a barcelona documentary and he was he was there that season, and so they. I saw a bit of him then. I think he was quite young back then, but um, I think they had quite high hopes for him. Um, but not not too much, to be honest. I can't. Yeah, not going to try and pretend that I know much about him. Yeah, I'd say personally, I don't have that much personal experience of of, of watching him. So aside from um, stuff that I was trying to read about him today, and there was quite an interesting interview with a uh, Brazilian. Uh, a Brazilian football correspondent who was talking about all the various Brazilian players that are linked with Arsenal at the moment. I don't know if you saw that, Mize, or not, but mm. um, what what he was effectively saying with with Arthur is is um, is that when he was in Brazil, it was a huge like, well, like this guy is a serious, serious player, and he's a serious, obvious Barcelona type player. Um, and so when he went to Barcelona, it was no um, no surprise. And that season. Um, Messi, and I saw this interview with Messi, Messi was absolutely glowing about Arthur. He was basically, they asked him about what he thinks about the signings of the season. Who do you think was, has been the best signing? And he said, uh, if I had to pick someone, I'd pick Arthur. And he was kind of going on about him. He just said, you know, he really, really surprised me. Basically, they were comparing him to Xavi. They were saying he's that kind of player and, you know, just his, his ability to sort of pass the ball, keep the ball and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So really, really complimentary about him. Um, but then again, going back to what this Brazilian football correspondent was saying, like it didn't quite, it didn't quite work out at Barcelona. There was that kind of initial kind of, oh yeah, he could be quite good, but then that mm. didn't happen. And, and what he suggested was that there were some off the ball issue, off the off the pitch issues that perhaps affected this. And then um, he's gone to Juventus. He's not really managed to reignite his career there. But I think the feeling is is that there is a really really talented player there, and. You know, it's it's like one of those. Is he one of those players that just needs the right club and the right atmosphere for it to all click? 
um could it be an odegaard type situation basically right you know where i'm, um, I'm getting serious uh dennis suarez yeah 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 <laughs> I mean, that, the, the, the thing I, I guess the thing I'll, I'll say about it, it about not just arthur but, but sort of generally is like ultimately we probably have to accept it as fans that you know not every transfer that we make can be one that is incredibly planned and incredibly meticulous in terms of this is our number one target, etc. We're obviously in a situation now where we we really, really need a player and we really, really need a central midfielder. And it might be that Arthur is pound for pound the best that we can do at this point in time. Um, and you know what? If he does a job, I think that's probably going to be enough and that's what we can hope for at this point. Like, I, I, don't, like I personally, if he, if he came in and if he was... I know. Let's just let's just say for argument's sake, if he was Danny Ceballos 2.0 for for like you know half a season, I'd probably be okay with that. Just because at the end of the day, we we need a body more than anything, and then hope that you know we will go for maybe our strategic target in the summer. So, do you think? And I don't want to go too off topic on this, but do you think that was always the plan? Because outside of this Jacker situation, where as of today he's suspended for two games, we think. Mm. Um, we knew this was coming. Like this isn't a surprise that we've lost Partey and Elneny, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you could argue that losing Odegaard and Smith Rowe is probably at the same time for this game is not ideal. But so, do you think it was always the plan to go and get a midfielder on loan for the the rest of the season, or are we reacting to something unexpected? Because if we knew it was coming, you, you'd think we would have done something already. Yeah, personally, I think it would be a ridiculous strategy to kind of actually have a strategy to say, oh, like our strategy is to go and get someone in on loan in in January in central midfield and not, if you know that that's going to happen, it seems a bit ridiculous, even with stuff like the, you know, the Maitland-Niles loan. Um, Like clearly, I think Arteta wanted to be a man of his word and maybe they had made an agreement with um, Ainsley to say like, you know, hang around for the first part of the season if you don't play a certain amount of games, like, you know, keep our word. And I do think it's important that managers do keep their word and stuff like that, because it's not just make the Nazar get pissed off. I mean, how will it look to the other, the rest of the squad if they think that Arteta is just a man who just doesn't keep his word. And so it mm. probably was a case where they felt they had to do that. Um, but it does seem, I mean, I'll give it to you, mate. Like, I mean, it still does seem like baffling that we would think that going into the, uh, you know, go, going into a fairly busy period, um, you know, could you really survive with, say, you know, three first team central midfielders? Um, maybe Arteta thought, yeah, maybe I can because ultimately my it's only African nations and these players will come back soon. Because three, as in including including Patino in that number? Uh, uh, no, I was just included with. Oh, Le- see, well, so we've got Lakonga, Xhaka, and who am I forgetting? Partey. Maybe I was. Sorry, well, Partey's gone, right? No, oh, no, sorry, I thought we were talking about was, oh, was, three. It was, it was still here. Maybe. I, Maybe I was referring to um, when I was kind of ahead. Maybe I was thinking about Odegaard, to be honest. Um, but yeah, like uh, maybe he thought with whatever he has there, it's a case where I, I only have to last for like potentially Three, two, two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like two weeks. Because um, I think the eight, on the 18th, Partey can come back, right? That's the earliest possible that he can come back. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I'm not sure. I mean, what, what do you recognize? Do you think that like he was just hitting and hoping? Um, 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 um I, yeah i mean look i i've i was i think it was an area of concern the entire season to be honest because with jackal like, he's been sent off twice this season already um and you knew you knew that was going to happen 
from as, as long as you're playing Granite Xhaka, 30 odd games a season, he's going to get sent off once or twice. So that I think, yeah, a bit of uh, a lack of planning for me, um, which is is a little bit of a worry. But obviously, there's always been this plan to replace Xhaka, and I guess they're looking at long term options like um, Bruno. I can't even say his surname. Guimara, Guimaras, is that Guimaras, right? From, from yeah, Leon. Yeah. Um, seems like a player that we've been heavily linked with, but maybe not one for January. So. Um, yeah, let's see what happens, but we're definitely going to need numbers, bodies in because um, you know we're we're one Lukonga injury away from a central midfield of Ben White and Charlie Patino <laughs> against you know coming up. So um, yeah, it was interesting because this that Brazilian uh, correspondent that I referenced, um, they asked him about Bruno Gomes. I think that I don't know, maybe that's how you pronounce it, and um, and he said. He, he said pretty like positive things, but he did also say, look, he's never going to be a world beater. Like, and I remember he said that. And I, I remember thinking, but I, I got a minute. Like I'm, not, I'm kind of, I'm assuming that the sort of players that we're going for right now are ones that we think can kind of end up being, being kind of top, top players. Like I'd be surprised yeah. if, if, if he, if the, if Arteta and Edu didn't think that he could actually be like a world-class central midfielder, that they'd be going for him. Um, hmm. But you know, again, like I think with some of these things, you never really know what's a smoke screen and what it's and what's not, and 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 not not even just a smoke screen. But I imagine that you know they've got various targets, and Yuri Tillman's is one as well, right? That it's, yeah. that it's like um, that they're looking at. Yeah, I think there was. I was listening to the uh, the Askcast extra, and I think James from Gunner Blog did say that the intention was that apparently we wanted to sign more players in the summer last summer, but we just didn't have time or the capacity to get those deals done um and yeah i think the the thing the feeling is that apparently this summer sorry this this january we'd only really sign for big money if it was a player that we thought you know was available like that we're essentially bringing a january a summer signing forward, forward right. um whereas actually like if that's not the case then the the feeling is let's wait for the summer as like part two of the rebuild which I'm sure we'll discuss in future episodes, but um, but yeah, so I think maybe they've just thought actually we do need another body here, and maybe like a Danny Ceballos type signing who can just you know come in for the odd game. I mean, to be fair, like we're out of the FA Cup now, we've got X many league games left, plus a semi final in the League Cup and the the FA Cup, so there's not a huge amount of games actually left for this squad. Yeah. So we probably only need. 15 16 players to who are going to get minutes so there's no point in packing out the squad with unnecessary signings either but it just uh, it does seem that you know if you you know especially with jacker out now and lukonga who is obviously young and still very inconsistent it's a big risk to just rely on those those two for spurs liverpool and uh i'm not sure who we've got after that but burnley but that, that, uh, it's true, mate. That, that's what I like, that's what I wonder if you know. If say, for example, even with Arthur, I, yeah. I presume the only way that we we convince him to come on loan is if we're saying, "Listen, you're going to get more minutes here than if you're sitting on the bench at Juventus." And yeah. I guess your point, right? It's like, well, well, you know, Partey Elneny will come back, and you assume that Arthur Arthur will go ahead of Elneny in the pecking order, but Xhaka will come back from um, suspension. Um, so then, you know, then then. Assuming everyone comes back and they're fit, you've got Partey, Xhaka, and um, 
Lakonga and you'll have Arthur and you'll have Elneny. Um and I think that'd be quite interesting to see how they, they do that. And and if they, for example, like, because the only way that I can imagine, therefore, it works and it works to satisfy like Arthur or whatever we might have promised him is um is if we effectively have Arthur and Thomas Partey as our starting central midfielders, yeah. which I guess in some ways would represent an, an interesting decision given, you know, you're basically then throwing in a player who's not worked with your team before at all, never played in the Premier League and just assuming that he's going to, start for you um and i wonder how granite jacker takes that and I, w- I wonder how the balance of the team team goes i think it's easy a bit easier now if granite jacker is going to miss the next two games yeah i mean it, the timing probably you at least get you know that gives a new midfielder who comes in at least two games of like guaranteed minutes and the chance to say well if you're proving yourself if you're playing well you can just stay in the team yeah that's true that's true so we'll see you know what like and and we are gonna, um, yeah. We've got spares on um, on Sunday, as we mentioned. Um, we'll probably record another pod between um, the that game and the next leg against Liverpool. So it may be that we've signed a player, you know, in that period, and maybe we can reflect on that on the next pod. But let's quickly before we wrap up, let's just give some predictions for Sunday. Um, yeah, we we've talked about it a bit. Um, I think that uh, we, you know. It, it's the conversation thus far sort of dominated on team selection because that's kind of really what what the big talking point is at the moment given Arsenal squad squad issues, um, but um, but ultimately it's still a North London derby right? It's a North London derby. It's massive. It's huge. Um, we we absolutely demolished Spurs at the Emirates this season, but that feels like a lifetime ago now. It was a different manager, um, Spurs. Now, somehow, even though they still look a bit like shaky every now and again, even though they pick up a poor result every now and again, they're still in a position where they're four points, I think. Are they four points off fourth um, with two games in hand? So they're really not doing that badly. Um, and and they've got Antonio Conte now. They haven't got um, Son playing. Um, so obviously that's a big miss. They've also, you know, they're, they're trying to do their own January business. Clearly the manager doesn't rate and Dombele and wants him out. Clearly, they mm. don't rate Bergwijn. They want Bergwijn out as well. Um, Harry Winks seems to be rejuvenated, and 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 the manager really fancies him. So there's, you know, it's a new kind of looking Tottenham. But guys, tell me, um, how do you think it's going to go? Obviously, Mys, you and I are super excited because we're we're going. Um, we're going to be there at the game. That's going to be our first trip to um, the the stadium. Um, mm. But uh, Aaron, and what, what do you think? What do you, do you think we're uh, we're yeah, going to get? I'm very jealous, firstly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's my initial feeling. But um, I on I think normally I would be very confident actually because I think Spurs without Son is you know probably a bit of it's a bit of an unknown entity because Son tends to start most and be fit for quite a while. Um, and actually, like if you probably ask most Spurs fans, they say if they would they rather lose Kane or would they rather lose Son, they'd probably say actually, don't mind if Kane drops out, but mm. keeps on. Um, so I think I think Spurs look a lot better defensively this season, like since Conte's come in, and that's the thing. I think Conte will set them up to make sure they don't lose. Um, and then I, before today, I would have been fairly confident, but I, like my said, I. I just feel like today might have taken a lot out of us. Yeah. I think a few people might, you know, wake up tomorrow morning with a few minor injuries or niggles. The muscles will be stiff. And then to recover and then go again on you know, Sunday 
is going to be a huge ask for this team, especially when there's no real, you know, rotation options coming in. Unless, yeah, I think I'll I'll feel a lot better about it if Tommy S is fit, if Smith Rowe is fit, and Erdogan is fit. Then I think actually we can probably rotate a bit, you know, put them all three of them maybe into the team, and then have like one option off the bench. The yeah, the thing is like we we're just down to the bare bones, and that's why I think you know if. I don't know if we're doing predictions, but I, I would actually just predict a nil-nil. Wow, two back-to-back nil-nils for us. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, go on, Mice. What, what about you? Um, yeah, I echo a lot of what Aaron and said, like big concerns about who's going to be available and, and kind of how we're going to manage and um, fatigue. Um, like if you'd have asked me the question about, you know, if you'd asked me to predict this game after the City game, after we just played City, I'd probably be saying we're going to go to Spurs and, completely dominate them and come away with a win so it's you know a lot has changed in the space of a week or 10 days whatever it's been since that game um i mean we're 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 two points clear of them at the moment and they've got a couple of games in hand on us so for me we absolutely cannot lose this game like that's i'd love to go there and win um as you would in any north london derby and if we win it 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 you know it's a six pointer basically so we we increase that gap um and there's a bit of a buffer between us and them, even with those games in hand. Um, but yeah, we just don't want, we just don't want to let, you know, if they beat us, they go above us. Right. So that would, that would just be kind of a double whammy. So um, for me, it's an absolute must not lose. Um, and I think we, I think we could, we've got enough to do that. I think we've got enough to do that. Um, it's going to be tough because like, yeah, it's the first North, North London Derby at, at their ground with fans. So they're going to be yeah. right up for it. Like they always are. Um but yeah, at least away fans, right? Because I think I feel like the first game post they had home fans at their place last time. I think. Oh, did they? Okay, maybe I'm not sure. I feel like it. Yeah, okay. it's definitely the first game. First time yeah, away it's the first fans time we're going. So yeah, yeah. Like like I said, draw draw would be a pretty decent result, all things considered. Um, and I think it will be a draw as well. But I'm going to go for a two-two. That seems to be a pretty popular score in recent North London derbies. I think. But yeah, I'm going to go for a two-two. Interesting. It's it's it is because with all, all you know, ignoring injury, ignoring injuries, ignoring the detail. You know, these are two teams who are you know, in fifth and sixth at the moment in the league, and I think actually in, in decent form over the last five games. I think we've won four and lost one out of our last five, and I think they've won three and drawn two. So like it's fairly even on the kind of Premier League form type type things. But I know with the North London derby, it all goes out the window. I. I have a feeling that um, I have a feeling that there'll be a result. Um, I, I think both managers will worry about setting their teams up to be quite cagey, um, just given the given the occasion. I think Tottenham will. I think Tottenham will think that we we could be there for the taking because you know we're a bit knackered and we're a bit depleted. But I'm not sure the likes of Saka and and Martinelli know how to play in any way other than like let's just fucking do this mm-hmm. um so I, I agree with what you said aaron before and that i think that you know a few more like literally a couple more players like the the odegaards and the smith rose coming into this inside if, if tommy asked if we see two out of those three let's just say even two out of those three if, if we see them on the team sheet like, i think that'll be a big boost to everyone um mm. so i'm gonna go with an Arsenal win, actually. I'm going to go with Arsenal winning 2-1. Um, I, I 
it's either that or going for a for a Tottenham win, to be honest. And uh, and I'm trying to do this thing at the moment of manifesting, you know. <laughs> um, not that I believe in all of that, but like still, like I just think that um, why why can't we do what it? What is that? Wait, manifesting? What, you know, like when, you, you know when you try and actually kind of like make the world make things happen, it's that like visualizing really the win, like you know, you, you're kind of. Oh, right. So if you say happen. it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If I, you know, if I will it to happen, and you know, it's going to happen. There's like really, really interesting. Well, books I hope, I hope it works out for you, you know. <laughs> yeah, I really hope. I hope, I hope it does as well. Um, it probably won't. Let's be honest. But at the same time, um, look, we. I feel like we're a decent side now, um, and I think regardless of injuries, I think we're a pretty well coached side. I think. Arteta made the comment right today um, when they asked him about the Nottingham Forest game and he, he sort of said like, at the same time, like it's quite a young team and every now and again, a young team are going to have kind of poor performances like that. But I think we've shown this season that we've been pretty good at bouncing back from stuff like that. Um, and today was a really good, really great evidence of just the spirit in that side. And I really, I, and I would genuinely imagine that after the game today in the dressing room, they all got in a huddle with their arms around each other and basically just said, do you know what? Like, if we can do this away at Liverpool, you know, for, for the majority of the game with 10 men and and play with that kind of spirit and defend. And yeah, you know what? Every now and again, like, you need a bit of luck. We needed luck when Minamino missed that. You know, Minamino miss, scores that goal. We reflect on this game completely differently, right? Mm, it's yeah. it, it's just it's, it's, it's just the way football is. But similarly... If a couple of if a couple of very small details were different against Man City, we reflect on that very differently mm. as well. Yeah. So, and I think they know that, and I, and I feel like the team they just needed something to make them feel like it's not all going to go against them if they, you know, if they really really focus and put their minds to it. Um, and I personally like, I do feel that they're the sort of group of players who are going to try and take that into the next game, um, being such a such a you know big big derby game. So, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Obviously, we all want to manifest. Win. Yeah, yeah, manifest. My, should we quickly talk? I mean, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's our first time to, to White Hart Lane. <laughs> we, you know, I know it might seem to everyone that Myers and I are really, really hard, and we're really, <laughs> we're we're really tough. We're like really tough, and you know, we shouldn't be afraid of anyone, and you know, we'd we'd beat the hell out of anyone that would 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 come near us. But we are <laughs> we are we are very carefully planning our journey yeah. to, to the stadium to avoid and any how kind do we of get conflict. to the stadium without but avoid the stadium <laughs> are you um are you worried that uh your newfound podcast fame will mean that you're bigger targets <laughs> oh, that's a really good point isn't it i mean just what are we what are we gonna you're do you're gonna wear masks or something yeah 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 what do you yeah. want to talk about, mate? What? Just uh, it's not, it's your is it your first time to White Hart Lane? Like, obviously, it's, it's not my first. It's it's my first time to their new stadium. Yeah. Um. I I've been to. It's quite funny because I've been to White Hart Lane a few times, but I've never been to White Hart Lane for Arsenal Tottenham. Ah, oh, did you go and support Tottenham? No, but this is the thing. I <laughs> I know. I'd been. Do you know? You know how like, they randomly used to do some international games at at White Hart Lane. So for some bizarre reason, for example, I've seen Wales Brazil. Oh, well, like, I didn't yeah, know like, yeah, like yeah, yeah, like I was like it's like really random games like that. White Hart Lane. So and, I, I, um, yeah, I promise you this will be very different to Wales, Wales Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you made, you made it home from Wales Brazil. <laughs> I did make it home from Wales Brazil. I did. No, I'm really, really looking. For, I'm super looking forward to it. Um, so yeah, and I guess we'll have plenty of stories to tell uh, in the next pod. So um, 
Anything, anything, guys, you want to finish off with before we say goodbye? Not really. Um, it's quite late, so I'm quite, <laughs> um, I think we can, we, can, we can end it there. But no, it's a good, good chat. And um, yeah, at least we can wake up happy tomorrow after a couple of defeats. Yeah. Still didn't win, but you know, a good result. So. Yeah, we haven't had a win this, this calendar year, have we? No. Don't say that, seriously. No, we haven't. Oh, yeah. Three games so far, no win. Wow. Today feels like Well, a it's a good, good time to start on Sunday. That's anyway. true. That's true. All right, guys. Well, well, look, everyone, thanks for joining us. Um, I'm, sh- I'm sure you're happy with the nil-nil draw um, and it gives us everything to play for in the next game. Two huge games coming up. So um, cheers for tuning in. Cheers for listening. And um, yeah, enjoy enjoy the, the rest of your week. So uh, my Aaron and see you later, boys. Cheers, Rob. See you, mate. See you, mate. Bye-bye.